On Riabo today, we're going to launch a counter-strike on all of those eSports tournament organizers that don't pay their eSports casters. Simon Littlewood, pun intended, because of course counter-strike is one of those games that these eSports casters comment. Um, before we head into the issue of non or delayed payment, which is of course what we're about at Riabo, would you like to just elaborate for those uh, sufficiently uh, much older than you uh, in terms of what Counter-Strike and this whole eSports thing is If about. they're much older than me, they're in trouble. I'm 62. <laughs> uh, but okay, I mean, it, it's interesting. I've sort of had a baptism of fire because being, you know, of a certain age, you know, this is all new to me. And I have not terribly taken, taken it terribly seriously. And my son, uh, who's 20 years old, has become an adept at Counter-Strike, this very game. And my daughter, who's three years older, took me aside and said, you need to stop giving Arthur a hard time because he's extremely good at what he does and it's mm -hmm. taken very, very seriously. So I got the link and I went onto the web and I watched him play matches and you have, yes, you have the, the commentator, the e-caster mm -hmm. introducing you. You have these- They're like the broadcasters, yes. right? And you have, you have mostly men, there are very few women, uh, but very young, I mean, many of them in their teens with their headsets on really intensively working at these games. And then you have four or five different ways of betting on them and what you have is you have four or five agencies showing the prices, showing what's being earned, and a great deal of money changes hands really? you know, in different places around about? the region. Are we talking about millions of dollars globally? Uh, Asia, not so much, but, but in, in Europe and America, the sums are absolutely enormous now. And they're even talking about it at the Olympics, isn't it? Well, uh, I mean, it's, it's a game. I mean, you know, it's a game which is done sitting down and not doing very much exercise. <laughs> uh, it's not exactly rugby. Uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, apparently it involves a great deal of skill, uh -huh. a lot of coaching um, and millions, millions of people watch it online. And there's, yes. a, there's a, a huge difference between my generation. I'm kind of going, why can't they read a book? Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and all my son, anyone I, because my son having done that and what, has been offered a job working for a potentially very important global Counter-Strike team. And the young people I ask about that say, oh, he'll be a god. He should totally do that. You mm -hmm. know, and uh, whereas sort of my mother and me are sort of saying, Oh, God, can't he get a proper job, yes. go to university, get a degree, you know? But I, I guess no matter uh, which business you're in, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're adding value to someone. And whether that's by playing a game or commenting a game or providing any other sort of product or service, when you add value, you ought to get paid. And that's not what's happening with a lot of these esports casters. No, it isn't. And, and, and my son, I'm sorry to go on about him, has experience of exactly this. He worked for an international team based in Malaysia, not far from Singapore. Uh, and uh, he had a contract that said he'd be paid a monthly amount and would be paid his winnings. And that's just to play, right? He's not commentating, not he's just playing. Just to play, because the mm -hmm. winnings are substantial. Even in little regional games here, forty, fifty thousand $50,000 are commonly paid as prizes or even more, yeah? Mm -hmm. And his team did okay. They, they were semi-finalists, they were finalists. Did he get paid? No, he didn't. But when it came to seeking payment, I helped him draft a letter with the help of a lawyer friend of mine, and he was reluctant to send it. Why? Because he enjoys gaming, and he doesn't want to blot his copybook, you know, with What's people. What's a copybook? Well, you're really old. <laughs> I mean, so, <laughs> you mean spoil his reputation oh, with tournament organizers. So, so when I used to write with my pen, you know, and I had an inkwell. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so in other words, he didn't want to spoil his reputation any more than anyone else in any other business who supplies a product or service to a customer doesn't want to complain about non-payment because of how it impacts their reputation. He's with a young customer. and he enjoys doing it. And that's what, unfortunately, some people who are less than... 
honest, honest, are prepared to take advantage of because you've got very young people here doing something that they absolutely love, but, but investing a lot of time in it, you mm. know, and, and traveling around the region and so on and so forth. And unfortunately, there are many egregious instances of not just the e-casters, but the players themselves not getting paid. Yeah. So then, of course, comes the question, because you do tend to say, right, you've said it on a number of occasions on this podcast, if your customer, the person buying your product or service, is solvent, they've got to be paying somebody. And if they're paying somebody, then you need to work hard to make sure that you've got all the I's dotted and T's crossed to make sure that your invoice lands on top of the pile. So would you, would you say that these tourism organizers, these TOs, to use the lingo, are solvent? Or are they simply running off with the money? Are they just absconding? Um, I, I, you know, I can't look into a man's heart, but I would say that given the prevalence of this kind of behavior, there is a lot of dishonesty. Um, they're relying on young people being enthusiastic. Uh, they make a lot of money from advertising and promotion and from gambling. Um, and I don't think they're too scrupulous about whether or not they meet the promises that they make. Yeah. And your son actually had a contract which was written in such a way that Actually, it almost became obvious that he was never going to get paid. Um, well, it was written, it, there were things about it, you know, that were of concern. Um, but in essence, uh, for him to get paid, <laughs> look, when you start involving lawyers, if there is bad faith, and particularly if the entity you're dealing with is not in a jurisdiction where the, where the rule of law is particularly strong, and I'm not going to say which one, then it's prudent not to get carried away in your in your in your search for justice, because it's very easy to spend a fortune on lawyers and get absolutely nowhere. I mean, the lesson here is don't do business with people who are less than honest. And if you're going to do business of that nature, make sure the contract, you know, at the very bottom of every contract where it says this contract should be governed by the laws of, mm, mm -hmm. make sure it's not, you know, it's not the laws of some far off fairy kingdom in the Pacific. Uh, <laughs> make sure it's, it's a jurisdiction that, has, that is known to have the rule of law, like Singapore, yes. like the UK, like France, like Germany, like America. Um, you know, because there are yes. plenty of jurisdictions not far from this place in yes. Asia uh, where, you know, justice is uh, Yeah, sometimes the, 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 the fairy kingdom in the Pacific <laughs> actually seems like a really good idea. Um, so, but to, to wrap up then, I mean, when you're an eSports player, um, as you said, you're enthusiastic, you bring that enthusiasm, and clearly there are some people who then take advantage of that and say, well, you enjoy playing, so you don't mind if you don't get paid. But does that also apply to people in other industries? That when you go and, uh, and you know, launch your bid and you give your pitch and you, and you want to close the sale, is there also something that you can take away in every other industry where you would say, maybe just hold back your enthusiasm a little so that they don't see that, oh, you know, Simon, he's very keen to just deliver his service. He won't mind if we delay his Well, payment. you know, without wanting to be too political, you could extend this um, by analogy to people that are in the caring professions. There are many people who care very much about what they do and they really enjoy what they like, do. Like nursing or... Yes, or exactly. It's mm -hmm. self-selecting. Do they get paid a lot of money? No, they don't. Why is that? Well, because they would choose to do that, even if it means they earn less money. Now, whether mm -hmm. you know, or not get paid on time. Yes. So, so should you have uh, more of a stiff upper lip approach about it? Absolutely. Hide your enthusiasm. Absolutely not. We should be honest, and we should expect people who commit to do a piece of work for a particular amount of money, paid in a particular way, to be uh, looked after. Yeah, I but that's just my point. That if you are the carer, if you are the gamer, mm. you're naturally enthusiastic for your product or service. Should you tone that enthusiasm down when you do your pitch so that the customer doesn't get the impression, oh, that's all right, they're so enthusiastic, 
they don't mind getting paid. Less. I think I think they know who they're picking. I mean, these these are, these are savvy guys who do this same thing repeatedly. Um, here in Southeast Asia, this kind of thing is very common um, because we're dealing with young people. Look, um, to some extent, you know, my son went in with his eyes open because when I said to him, you know, you're not he hasn't paid you, you say, and he said, well, yeah, but Dad, I'm enjoying it so much. At the end of the day, so. So, uh, so, but, so let me have a third attempt yeah. at asking you this question. If you're selling a product or service, yeah. should you not let on to the customer that you really enjoy delivering the service, lest they then start to take advantage of you? Could be in the consulting business or the caring business or the gaming business or a, any other. An honest customer is going to like the fact that you're enthusiastic about what you do. Um, I think that's a normal. If you were gloomy about it, he wouldn't. He wouldn't buy it, would yes. he? You know, well, that's a, but that's just the yeah. dilemma. So because if you do show your enthusiasm like your son did, then you know the the TO, the to to tournament organizer, will just great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a great believer in honesty on both sides. I think the the, the 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 nature of the goods or service that you provide should be clearly defined, as as should be the timing of the of the good or service and any standards that need to be met. As we've re frequently said, what should also be clearly defined is how and when you're going to get paid and what you're going to be paid. And all of those things should be binary. They should all be stuck to in an honest, transparent way. Of course, you can never fully guard against a situation where one party has no intention of sticking to that right from the beginning. You know, mm -hmm. in more conventional areas of business, you can look into the history of individuals or individual companies and see whether or not they have actually behaved properly in terms of paying suppliers in the past. But in the nature of, of this particular industry, esports, they're fly by night. There are lots of new companies starting up. It's a new industry. So it's, it's very difficult, other than by word of mouth, to get a clear handle on who you're dealing with. Uh, we'd like to hear from you on uh, in the comments uh, area next to this podcast. Let us know what your uh, experience has been with esports. Whether you're a gamer, a caster, maybe it is time to launch that Counter-Strike.